The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. Game. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, an exciting week of ETSU men's and women's basketball, also football this week. We'll have a very special Thursday signing day episode of Sandos in the sidekick. We, uh, Clearly not because of the Wednesday-Thursday games, ETSU. I'll be on the road, Chattanooga, during signing day. We will have a Wednesday show, uh, but signing day, everyone won't have been signed and all the stuff with Coach Sanders wouldn't have been done until after I already hit the road. So what we'll do is uh, we'll have a show Wednesday, and we certainly will break down all the basketball stuff that we need to break down, ETSU's game on Wednesday, the women's game on Thursday, and then uh, on Thursday, Thursday, we're actually not going to talk anything basketball. We're just going to do a uh, one segment, long segment, as long as it takes, as little as it takes. But we will go through the entire recruiting class uh, that was signed on Wednesday. And we'll go through that, give you our thoughts. Plus, we'll break down what the roster uh, is shaping up to be. Now, again, there still could be some things, um, you know, people don't make it into school, extra transferring after that, after spring practice, you never know. But we'll kind of break down what the roster is that we know of. Plus, we'll talk about all the signings that we have uh, on that Thursday. Yeah, it was like 37 minutes last year. So I think smart to break it out into its own show. And obviously, we'll be able to try and do everything we can to cover the signings right away. It's just more of a gut reaction, first instinct, kind of here's what we think, here's how it helps the Bucks, And then obviously, the rest is left to the powers that be as to things that may or may not change. But yeah, 37 minutes last year. That's darn near a full show in itself. We kind of got carried away. I think that was the longest show in Sanders and the Psychic history, like an hour and 28 minutes because we had lots to say on other stuff, too. Shocking knowing us. Yeah, and, and, and consider we were doing a five-day-a-week show back then. Correct. That was still impressive. So we'll, we'll do that uh, very special uh, signing day uh, Thursday. So there will be four shows this week. We'll do a normal Monday, normal Wednesday, normal Friday. Thursday will be a special signing day recap if you will. So we will have all that going for us. And also Wednesday, something special. Uh, it was put out there. People want to know, you know, what do I hate? Uh, <laughs> do I hate anything more in Chattanooga? Do I just hate Chattanooga? What's on that list? So I, I have a list. We will go over that Wednesday. I'm just excited that you'll be carrying a segment. Makes it easier for me. Yeah. Well, I, a rarity. I mean, we'll just see how you uh, you react to some Oh, of I'm going to enjoy these, I think. Okay. I enjoy hate. Not as we've talked about, true, real hate in the true definition of the word, but just satirical and maybe somewhat actually felt by you hate. 
mm. towards things like Chattanooga, and I'm guessing there will be a few thrown in that I they kind of throw me for a loop. But uh, I will I'll be interested to see. Some uh, I'm sure needing some explanation. Some I think will be self-explanatory. Mm, sure. I've got I've I've, I've uh, switched the list around just a little bit. I, I had sort of a working list anyway. Did you? Okay. So, uh, but I've looked at a few things, thought about a few things. Um, talked to a few people that really outside sources. Me okay, all right. Just to just to say, like, eh, you know, what, what what do you think about this? And and one of them actually led to one that I had uh, I had tried to block out of my memory, and it was oh, good wow. because the second it said it, the the the, the hate came back. It did huh? as soon as he did. It did. So I'll tell you, I coming off a Super Bowl party, and we'll talk Super Bowl in segment four during bowl predictions because we had lots of thoughts and uh they weren't so bold i don't think the predictions this time around they were just here's some fun things to keep an eye on during the game and we guessed what would happen in the specific categories that we were talking about but the person that eats way too much food at the party and ruins it for everybody else and doesn't leave enough for everybody else now i'll say this the party i went to was very ample in its offerings of sustenance so i did not come across that problem but uh there were some people that really just destroyed the buffet as they say and uh if there had been less food there would have been some people that have gone hungry at that party so i'm just going to preview the list and saying that and obviously i won't have a list, I can't just wait. No, list I just can't but wait. i wanted to throw that yeah. in because i'm going to have some thoughts i'm sure once you once you start talking about hate you're yeah, really going to get my mind yeah, rolling like you too. Got upset yeah. there oh, right. yeah. oh yeah no doubt all right, let's talk a little uh, ETSU men's basketball. Big win. Uh, the bounce back win against UNCG didn't start off particularly great. It was a 19 um, to 5 run, 19 to 4 run, 19 to something. 19 to 5. 5, 19 to five yeah. Right, 19 5 run. ETSU down by 14, came all the way back to tied at 25. UNCG, give them credit. They stretched it back out, I think, to 7 or 8, and all of a sudden ETSU got to the locker room tied at 37. And then from there, uh, really, ETSU took the lead. Uh, a little bit of a back and forth for, I don't know, five, six minutes. And then once ETSU kind of grabbed a stranglehold, they just continued to grow it. And what ended up being a very impressive 17-point win. Here's Coach Forbes. They start out so well. They come out and they just pop you in the mouth. And you got to be able to take it or at least respond to it. And we kind of staggered there. And some of it, their good play. Some of it, just us making mental mistakes. And one of the things that I think at home, if – you were at the game here and you were watching it. We told him umpteen times the roll man was going to be open on the ball screen. And we just refused to roll. Our bigs were just standing there. And when we finally rolled and railroaded it back to the hedge and threw it right down the gut, we got like three or four easy baskets that got us going. You might have to hear this one again because this is one of my favorite things to do to you is to put you on the spot for basketball terminology and break down exactly what Coach Forbes is talking about in layman's terms for those that may not know it. Do you want to hear it again, or do you know with the roll on the ball screen, railroading it, throwing it down the gut, you think you can break it down right now? Uh, let me hear it again, but I'm they pretty sure I can do so it. They so well. They come out and they just pop you in the mouth, and you got to be able to take it or at least respond to it. Man, we kind of staggered there. and some of it, their good play. Some of it, just us making mental mistakes. And one of the things that I think at home, if you were at the game here and you were watching it, we told them umpteen times the roll man was going to be open on the ball screen. And we just refused to roll. Our bigs were just standing there. And when we finally rolled and railroaded it back to the hedge and threw it right down the gut, we got like three or four easy baskets that got us going. Finally railroaded yeah, yeah. it. So the okay, so on the, the, the pick and roll is the easiest thing to start with, right? Correct. So the guy that's setting the pick, um, if you what UNCG was doing 
was they were sort of double teaming, hedging, meaning they were coming out on the um, uh, the guy who was guarding the pick man, uh, the other post players. So let's say it's Dickey for an example for UNCG. Let's say Miller's on the ball, Dickey is guarding Goussaint. Uh, and then as soon as Goussaint sets the pick, instead of early in the game, him rolling straight to the hoop, he just kind of stood there. Well, once he rolled to the hoop, then it was up to the point guard to drive into the hedge. And once he did that, that had to make Dickey honor that and Miller honor that. And as soon as he did that, then he's able to force a pass or railroad a pass uh, down the middle of the paint. and then Down do, the gut, as down, he said. Down the yep. gut, the, you know, right down the heart of the lane. And you do that before everybody else can react to it. But basically it's holding um, – it's going at – the guy that's trying to hedge out because he's not really wanting to double team or switch he's just wanting to slow you down so that he so that his guard can get around and then he is going to go back and get the roll man but if you do it a certain way to where you hold him there and the guard isn't getting around the the other big for ETSU and then he's able just to kind of shove his way down the middle of the lane now if you were able to switch that once or twice they did and then you're talking about then he just um, was able to post up a guard inside. But that's not particularly what they wanted to do, but that's sort of what he's saying there uh, on the railroad part of it. All right, not bad. I've got a couple more for you. Here's another. We did a great job of that. You know, Jason's got scout. We iced it. One of the things early, we had to adjust early in the game, uh, we had to switch the four-man ball screen, four-man handoff. They were getting us on that a little bit, which means that stuck Miller on some of our other guards. But we did a great job of tilting the floor, getting in the gaps, not letting him get to the basket, forcing him to shoot tough twos. We held him to 17 points, and I thought we did a nice job guarding him. So that's on defending Isaiah Miller, who was 8 of 15, had 18 points, 4 steals, 3 rebounds. Really, for him, uh, that's a pretty average game. So whenever you don't have him go off, I think it's success. Whenever he doesn't wreck a game, whenever he doesn't hit a shot late, whenever he doesn't affect the game on a uh, minute-by-minute basis, and, and you... I'm not going to say you don't notice him, but he is not someone that's drawing all the attention from the onlookers, the many that were at Freedom Hall. But to revisit that, they iced it, and mm-hmm. then they had to the four-man ball screen and the four-man handoff is something they had to change early on, is what Coach Forbes said. Break it down. So the four-man, the easiest thing is the four-man uh, handoffs, what they're doing with Galloway. That's how Galloway got those early buckets. So they would either dribble past uh, him, and then he would just turn around and throw him the ball back, Galloway, or they would literally dribble handoff, the exact term, dribble handoff to Galloway. And then, uh, again, because you're trying to guard Miller, you're more concerned about that. It left them wide open, so you just changed how they're doing it. So icing uh, for Coach Forbes' terminology is you're going to hedge and then in certain situations switch. They don't double that would be monster. So if you hear him say monster, they're going to actually double that um, and try to trap out of that. But when they ice, they're just giving just enough help so that the guard can get back, more like a, a hedge. But there are a couple different times uh, in that scenario where they could switch off, and then they would switch instead of playing just their man on that. Okay, I can't remember if Trey Boyd, who you talked to post game as well, gave us anything you'll have to dive deep into or not. We knew we couldn't turn the ball over against them because they're so dangerous because they score off it a lot, like a high percentage. So we just took our time. We swung the ball. Instead of trying to dribble through a press, we decided this game to pass through it, take our time, and find the open gaps. And I feel like Coach Shea did a great job on the scout on helping us, like teaching us that. So everything played out well. So there is something there that you may have to break down for some people, but instead of trying to dribble through the, the press, 
pass either over the top of it or find a way to, I think, hearing Coach Forbes' last game driving too deep and when you're dribbling, getting into it, even being surrounded and not being able to, you know, turning the ball over there. And he's talked about live ball turnovers a lot and those atomic bombs, as he quotes it, where UNCG, you know, forces a lot of turnovers. And then in the open floor, they're very good. But that Trey Boyd soundbite, specifically talking about facing the press. Yeah, I think the, the, the big thing there is it's obviously, it's obviously faster if you throw the ball than dribble the ball, number one. And two, try to get around the press, get around zone, get around different things. It's very easy to move the basketball. And I think the big thing is for ETSU is they were able to make a couple of passes, get it across the timeline instead of previous games where they would make one pass, then the guard would dribble basically to the, the uh, uh, midcourt stripe and then either get trapped right across the midcourt stripe or try to reverse pivot out of that, get in trouble, turn it over. So making a couple of the quick passes and then passing the head. That's something they didn't do a lot the last couple of games against UNCG that they really tried to push. Uh, matter of fact, it was the, the reason that they were able to beat UNCG in the conference tournament championship game uh, a few years ago was because they were able to pass over the top of that and get shooters in the corner. They still were upset that shooters didn't stay in the corner as much, that they were coming up, but able to pass and beat the press and then I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about the different gaps that Coach Shea could see uh, on film and then do a nice job of verbally then um, not just communicating there but then showing them on the floor, I'm sure, through walk through, shoot around, everything else and saying, hey, these are the spots. When you catch the ball, get to these spots and a couple of things are going to happen. And I thought that that really showed well in the game. So over dribbling against the press is basically there what Trey Boyd's talking about. But in the half court, we've heard Coach Forbes talk about that. And really when it comes to the full 94 feet or if it's just the 47 feet, it does seem like against press, against zone, against any type of pressure, against a defense that's set up to uh, deny specific things, it's just having been around basketball a decent amount of time now, and perhaps it's different with different teams, but it seems like more often than not, just passing over the press, if you can, is always the preferred way to go. Now, it's not always going to be able to happen, depending on the athleticism of the players out there and what exactly they're trying to take away and how um, their zone or press does form, but uh, certainly ETSU kind of figured that out as they went, and you talked about things that were big for the Bucks. Of course, you talked to Trey Boyd postgame. That's because he had 30 points three assists as well uh, 10 of 16 from the floor which was great to see because the previous two games was just three of 16 joining Boyd Bo Hodges had 14 points 11 rebounds double double for him and 12 points for Lucas Goussaint who I think had a much better game than the first time that these two teams met when he turned the ball over five times was being just kind of out physical but ETSU after falling behind 19 to 5 runs away with it really at the end a 17 point win were you concerned early on because I was sitting here in studio watching it on the stream listening to you and boy it seemed grim uh, UNCG really did as coach Forbes say they really came out to play they can start strong now interestingly enough they didn't have a strong start against DTSU in their first game at the Greensboro Coliseum that was kind of a back and forth rough and tumble low scoring first 10 or so minutes but this time withstanding the punch in the mouth as ETSU did, making that charge in front of the 6,000 fans that were at Freedom Hall, and then delivering the knockout blow with about four or five minutes left as Trey Boyd hit a couple more threes, I thought was extremely impressive. Obviously, the LSU win is the one that's always going to stand out on the resume, on the schedule, as the most impressive win of the year, but 
I don't think wins get much more impressive, certainly not in the SoCon, but probably around mid-major basketball as a whole than what ETSU was able to do specifically with falling behind against UNCG and then uh, keeping their composure, chipping away at the lead, and ultimately winning by 17. Yeah, I mean, Bucks only gave up 46 points, uh, really, after the first four minutes of the game. They hit uh, eight of their first nine shots, and yeah, then they go, like, 19 for 47 after that. Yeah, it was it was an incredible start, though. I mean, it, I mean, you're talking about at one time, uh, out, of the, out of the 19 points, right, I believe it was uh, the only eight for Galloway, and then uh, Miller had a Miller three. had eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miller had eleven of the uh, of those. So that was it. It was just oh. a two man score, uh, as far as that goes. And an ETSU score seventy eight points the rest of the way. So seventy eight forty six, the scoring difference once uh, the run was over for UNCG. I wasn't as worried there, and I know you you can easily lose a game in the first, but at home I'm not as worried because you, you it's a long game if you can settle down there were some things that started to happen that, that I thought was good for ETSU started to go similar to Mercer you know I didn't panic when Mercer jumped out to a big league because ETSU was got it to something manageable at halftime same thing UNCG big lead in Greensboro and the Bucks got it to single digits which was huge because they were down like 17 or 18 or whatever it was, uh, it seemed like at some point there. So I thought it was really important for ETSU, you know, to to, to just kind of get as close of that even as they could. And even they got to even. Once they got to 25, then, then you get disappointed because UNCG went on a little mini run. But the fact they got it back to even was fine. I think it was a little disheartening for a lot of fans because of what they just saw f- against Mercer. Right. And, and I think it's so fresh in your mind, I, I could see the – panic there but I'm, I'm not i'm not huge panic guy at home in those situations i'm more panic guy on the road in those situations and if you listen to the show on friday neither of us were panicking about the mercer loss i think what worried me was going into the game and we talked about it on friday as well when we were previewing this contest the health of uncg they're kind of 100 percent across the board they were there everyone was able to play this time around where they were missing Galloway, who clearly you could see early on can be a difference maker. Now, he kind of fizzled out after that, ended up going three for seven for eight points, but Caleb Hunter only had one point the first time the two teams met, and that was his first game back, and uh, Galloway is in his third game back now, so you're expecting as he was working his way in, he had 15 uh, the last game the UNCG played before Saturday, so it seemed like he was back in the swing of things. You expected Hunter to be way more involved, I think, and way more back in the swing of things. He only took five shots, made four of them. I I think they could have featured him a bit more, eight points and five rebounds, but uh, that's what worried me, and I've thought a lot of the year that ETSU has looked like the most complete team, is the most complete team, because of their depth, their options, their togetherness, their defense, amongst many other things. Uh, But we haven't seen UNCG in league play really at 100%. And so this, to me, was a real litmus test, not only of ETSU, but of UNCG and how they'd be able to go forward and either make some headway towards the top of the conference, and as it would have been, a tie for the top of the conference, as ETSU now is, uh, or if they're going to be that three or four seed uh, battling with Wofford for that spot. And I think it was probably disheartening for Spartans fans to see such a strong start and then the team, I don't want to say fold, but just really be outplayed with ETSU's adjustments that they made. And I think that's one thing that, and now Wes Miller's a good coach, but one thing that the Bucks have in their favor just the experience and the adaptability of Coach Forbes, Coach Shea, and that coaching staff, where, where it looked like 
while UNCG may have been the better team early on, the adjustments that Coach Forbes, Coach Shea, and the coaching staff did make changed the game. Yeah, and I think another thing will be interesting to see how the team moves forward because they're going to lose three guys that won a lot of games for UNCG over their tenure, and James Dickey, Kyron Galloway, and Malika Massey. Now, they still get Isaiah Miller back. They still got a couple guys that can shoot it, and Angelo Allegri. Uh, we didn't see Michael Hewitt Jr. I thought we would see him more. I thought um, one of the Langley twins, I guess it was uh, Keyshawn, uh, well. showed showed signs. I mean, I think it was his best scoring effort of his career. I think he he did uh, no fear. And and honestly, in the second half, if he doesn't do what he does, this, this game's almost th- a thirty point game. I mean, to be honest, so I think there's some things there to look at what they can do. But I think there's going to be some serious holes and gaps for UNCG moving forward. And they still are dangerous. They still have enough firepower. They still play defense. They um, have played very well in Asheville. Uh, so there's, they're going to be a team to wait. Now, the only thing is, for seeding purposes, they know they're, they're an extra game behind ETSU if there's any type of tie because ETSU holds the, the tiebreaker now with the, the two wins. Again, for seeding purposes, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And UNCG also, I think the legs looked a little weary, and some of that, I'm guessing because it was their fifth road game in, in, of their last six. I could be wrong, but still UNCG still got a little bit of work to do, still a good basketball team. They'll still have something to say, I think, it's at the SOCON tournament. 19 assists on 29 field goals for ETSU. The team leader in assists was Patrick Good. He does break that long drought of field goalless basketball. He hadn't made one the previous three games and did lead the team with five assists, also had two steals. That was a team high. So it was nice to see Pat 18 minutes off the bench while he didn't get maybe the looks and didn't get the volume that he's perhaps used to. Maybe they're trying to ease him back into the offensive side after the recent struggles, but it was good to see him contribute in other ways uh, and be kind of that distributor playmaker along with somebody that uh, was able to take the ball away from UNCG. Bo Hodges, uh, uh, a double-double, 14 points, 11 rebounds. He led the charge 26 second-half rebounds to 10, Mm. and and that was uh, something huge, and yes, Getting Pat Good to knock down a shot finally was tremendous. <laughs> was to get it going. Seeing Trey Boyd not just get a couple shots to go down, but just, just go bonkers at, at some point in time. Seeing David Williamson uh, to, just to switch in the lineup and everyone again. They've they've sang the company line the whole the whole year about what you know doesn't matter. We just want to win. We want to do all that, and it, it kind of showed again. There was no no pouting. Nobody seemed to. Uh, care one way or another, but Bo Hodges, a, just his second career double double. Wow, that's crazy! And, and it, uh, that was shocking to me too. But he was an animal on the glass. The Bucks ended up being plus eleven again. They were plus sixteen in the second half alone. And now Bo Hodges creeping up on one thousand career points. He's got, uh, I think, he's one hundred and four points away uh, from getting that as well. But I still think got to get good going at some point. I do like again. He was smart about his game. They ran at him. He made passes. He got assists. He do it. I mean, it was everything about everybody that was on the floor played winning basketball. They were all on the same page in general. I mean, you you turn it over thirteen times. I'm sure coach wants to keep that at ten or less. But I mean, you're taking on a team that leads the league in steals, leads the leagues in forced turnover. And you, and you have 13. Five less than last game when they had 18. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you have one less turnover. And then you do to them uh, what they do to most teams is you had more points off turnovers. 
uh, 17 to 22. And then uh, second chance points were massive, 22 to 7. And again, you're talking about guys going there and getting rebounds. And, you know, Tisdale had two offensive rebounds, but both those were cashed in for points. Bo Hodges, again, 11 rebounds. Uh, to, I mean, Tisdale was 7 now. He's just turned into a guy that's like, hey, I just got to go get the ball. Absolutely. So thoroughly enjoyed the team win. I think it's still. Still need to get Pat and a few other guys to get going, and I don't know. Maybe Pat just needs to step away from Freedom Hall. Maybe he just needs to get a few away games. Well, he'll have the chance. That's Chattanooga, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We'll break that down on Sanderson, the sidekick then, and then Mercer, and those were a couple tight turnarounds. The only game that separated those two opponents back-to-back from playing them again for ETS, he was that UNCG game. So it'll be interesting to see, and we'll talk much more about this on Wednesday and then ultimately Friday when the Bucks go on the road to Macon. But uh, how the quick turnaround is good or bad for each side considering the result. Remember, Chattanooga was down 27, came back and were down just seven late in the game. And then obviously Mercer, I'm sure they have a lot of belief and they won their sixth game in a row on Saturday. I'm sure they have a lot of belief that they can beat ETSU again, having already had one win in the column. Also one without Dimitrievich. Wow. Didn't even play. Really? Yeah. How about that? Mercer's rocking and rolling, man. All right. We'll step aside for a timeout. We will talk Chattanooga, not on the men's side, but on the women's side, a three-overtime thriller. For this timeout, San Diego Sidekick, Buccaneers, Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now... We've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sandus and the sidekick back with you as we talk ETSU women's basketball. It was the women at home Brooks Gym on what was a alumni weekend and a lot of folks coming back to catch the arch rival Chattanooga Mox and certainly we're hoping for a good game. I don't know, maybe we're hoping for a blowout, but at least hoping for some good basketball and what they got was a three overtime thriller. Yeah, no question. I mean, they got what they came for and then some. Free basketball times three and I thought this one was over in regulation. Uh, Micah Sheets, and let's just rewind even for Micah Sheets. You come in late down three points. Elise Stafford goes to the line with 18 seconds left, makes both free throws. Then you have to foul, right, down one, 18 seconds to go. Kia Burks only makes one, and so then Stafford on the attack takes her only four seconds to drive from the right wing, get the layup tied at 59. I thought Chattanooga ran a brilliant out-of-bounds play after a timeout. Bria Dial right over by her own bench inbounds uh, I can't remember who she threw it to but you always have to guard the inbounder right on an inbounds play that's what they always say the inbounder is the most uh, important and dangerous person to watch when you're defending and it was something that ETSU may not have heeded the advice on because the pass went right back to dial and she was wide open to drive in from the three-point line nobody came over to stop her challenges were late and really not present much at all misses a wide open layup and so ETSU gets the rebound, has the ball back with five seconds left, and you have to put it in Micah Sheets' hands, right? Now, Elise Stafford was another option considering she had four points the previous 10 seconds, but Sheets is that proven scorer. Now 21 double-digit games in a row on the scoring side, tied for second in the country, and she isolates against her defender, 
gets inside, and I've never seen a ball hit the rim more times inside the cylinder and come out than that one did. It was, it was heartbreaking because, one, I was listening to your call dialed into the studio here, so I was listening to your call, but we also had the feed up yeah. for the ESPN3 guys that were sitting right there. So David Jackson, Bruce Trambarger, a couple people in press row, uh, the guys do the stats and everything. The shot clocks are all kind of meandering right behind us and watching. And so I knew your call of heartbreaking in and out before, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to ruin it for them <laughs> watching it. Right. And I'm sitting there. I made a noise, and they all kind of looked at me. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm on delay. You're fine. <laughs> and, of course, then they watch it, and then, then they all like, oh, you do. I was like, yeah, sorry. But, like, didn't know. But you're right because when it – Rattled. I remember Trambarger kind of making a sign as if he's a referee to like score the bucket. Oh. Like, kind of makes this, this motion with his arm, like, boom, it's in there. And then, you know, pops out. And then it was a collective groan amongst everybody that was there. And so we, we, we were in it, man. We, once, it, once it got to the end of regulation, like, uh, you know, even if we had to do a few things here and there, we were always going back to the monitor and, and watching it. And uh, the only thing I didn't get to see, because I was talking to Coach Forbes at the end of first. Uh, overtime but the second one was also a similar situation yeah at the end of the first overtime you had Micah Sheets make a couple of free throws with 51 seconds left to tie the game and then Lakeland Bolden for Chattanooga misses one close in uh, Shania Jackson gets the rebound but with two seconds left Amaya Adams commits an offensive foul Ebony Williams as time expires misses a shot down in the paint and the game goes to a second overtime and bodies really started to dwindle here for ETSU. They had three players foul out. They were already without Ariel Harvey coming into the game. And as it turns out, that's going to be a multi-week type injury. She's not coming back uh, anytime soon. Um, from what we understand, it's about four to six. And depending on the timetable, that can be end of February or the Bucks may have to make the WNIT or the NCAA tournament for her to be able uh, to come back. So really unfortunate to hear that because it seemed like with that performance at Mercer, that 10-point uh, game that she had on 404 from the field, she was tar- starting to maybe turn the corner and find some of that play that she had at St. Bonaventure in her previous stops offensively that she could really contribute for ETSU down the stretch. But um, unfortunate timing on that injury. Jada Craig also got injured during the game, and she did not return. I think played 15 minutes 15 17 minutes uh, went down hard after a steal drove inside and just clattered to the floor some hard contact with a Chattanooga player and then probably harder contact with the surface she had to be carried off the floor wasn't able to return then ETSU had three players foul out and they happen to be some of the Bucks' most uh, important offensive contributors Shania Jackson Elise Stafford and Ty Kimbrough so in that second overtime you have the uh, the free throws from Sheets, 78-78, two missed opportunities from Chattanooga, one from the Bucks to end the game. And once that third overtime came around, it, the numbers just really caught up with ETSU. I don't think there's any other way to put it. it so if you don't know the makeup of the Bucks roster, with those three players having fouled out, Jada Craig being injured during the game, and Ariel Harvey now out for a significant period of time, that left them with high, five healthy players. So the five on the floor were what you had. If you had somebody else foul out, you're going to have to play with four. Uh Obviously not where you want to be after 50 minutes of basketball. And Chattanooga showed, you know, that that body count really helped them. 13-4, um, to 4, they outscored ETSU in the third overtime. And, goodness, just a devastating loss. And one of the questions I asked Coach Giselle postgame was, you know, what can you tell the players at this point when they look to the left, look to the right, and they've got injuries all around them and eligible players all around them. It's such a difficult situation, and you leave your heart out there for three overtimes and come up short against your rival um, tough to recover from. And I don't doubt that 
the Bucks will pick themselves up by the bootstraps and they'll be ready for Thursday uh, in their next two home games, Thursday and Saturday this week at 7 p.m. and 2 p.m. respectively. But that one had to hurt a little bit extra because 55 minutes of basketball and to be that close on multiple occasions, Micah Sheets with that one rattle in and out and then to have a chance at the end of the first overtime as well as Micah Sheets um, had the ball in her hands you know, with 22 seconds to go and ended up not being able to get a shot off and so on and so forth. You know, you can run down the myriad of opportunities, but um, to be able to uh, hang in there for that long and then have a third overtime come around and just be out of gas hurts, no doubt. Oh, it's just, you know, one of those things. And um, consider everything ETSU's been through, you're thinking what would that win do for you, right? If the, the first regulation shot goes down, you know what they could do for you because as the game kept going even in the second overtime and you're like, oof we've got to go to another one like you just kind of know listening at least the body counts adding up you know uh or dwindling down depending on how you want to look at it i guess but you knew that the just the numbers game was going to go and I, I thought you know i was shocked because both teams who don't particularly score well came out firing on all cylinders in the first right. quarter i mean it was a 22-16, I thought you misspoke a couple of times. I'm like, that can't be the score in the first quarter because I was expecting, you know, a 12-10 game right. uh, at the end of the first quarter. But, you know, people were shooting the ball very well early. And things got going. It settled down as it, as it went along and, and settled into more of a game like I thought it would be. But, man, even in overtime, you know, five-minute overtimes, it still felt like the scoring was going and, and things were there. And, you put 82 points up, even in three overtimes, you feel like for ETSU, that's, that's a yeoman's effort. You've got to, got to find a way to pick up that win. Four players in double figures, but, you know, three, two of those players fouled out. You know, if you had a, the third player foul, that's 42 points sitting on your bench uh, because they, they're disqualified from the game, can't play anymore. So very disheartening for the the result of, of everything, but they're going to have to try to bounce back. and. Um, we'll talk about the, the games come up a little later, but, you know, one of the shockers was Western Carolina picked up a win against Mercer. That'll be the next team in, so they've got that monkey off their back. So I don't know how that does for them. But for Chattanooga, I mean, they, they've still got some issues. I thought maybe they were turning uh, a corner from where they'd gotten into league play. But there were there were some times I think where ETSU looked dominant and and, and it was very made it very difficult on Chattanooga. I thought they looked like the better team a, a lot of the day. ETSU did, and obviously that first quarter, you know, Chattanooga putting up twenty two, but then the Bucks, you know, kept it pretty close throughout um, the entire rest of the day. Now Chattanooga did build a little bit bigger of a lead come that third quarter, but the Bucks showed that resilience and battled back. And so I guess I shouldn't say it was the most steady at the hand, uh, composed uh, 40 minutes of basketball in uh, regulation. But, you know, whether ETSU falls behind by one or 20, it seems like they're always going to have a run in them. And, and they did again. I thought at least Stafford made some big shots. We mentioned the ones in regulation but then in that first overtime that I kind of glossed over um, 68 to 66 after Stafford made a three that I thought may have iced the game and then two seconds later Ebony Williams you know gets her free throws to tie it up and then Micah Sheets uh, had the ball again in her hands and just couldn't get a shot off and then when you lost Stafford when she fouled out um, I thought the Bucks may be in some trouble and then you lose Shania Jackson as well and Ty Kimbrough um, is also, you know, seven points and seven rebounds from her. And so you're looking around and you got Micah Sheets, Jada Craig, Kaya Upton, Gabby Brown, and Amaya Adams are your five left. And you look at the scores out there, really it's 
Micah on a game-by-game basis, sure. Um, Kai Upton had a great game, uh, five steals, six assists, three rebounds, 16 points, but you're not going to look to her for a consistent scoring, right? Now, she stepped up. ETSU needed her, and so she stepped up, but um, when you have those five, really you've uh, got one consistent scoring threat, and that is Micah Sheets, and um, you, you said it. I mean, I thought that Chattanooga, you know, this is a game we expected to be close. We talked about it on Friday. We expected it to be really tight. I don't think we envisioned three overtimes. Second longest game in ETSU history. They only had one game longer, <laughs> that being in 1997-98 against Georgia Southern, four overtimes, uh, 104 to 101. Um, but I thought as competitive as this one was, the blue and gold looked like the better team for a lot of the day uh, the home team at Brooks gym on Saturday and Chattanooga you know they granted they hit their free throws and that was something we mentioned that the Bucks had to stay away from them getting to the line a ton they go 21 to 26 now there were 15 extra minutes of basketball so that's not a ridiculous number and they really held Lakeland Bolden down a lot of the day their leading scorer Chattanooga's leading scorer six for 20 you know one of six from outside she was really quiet especially the first six periods I guess and then in that third overtime she started to get rolling a bit but 13 points on 20 shots he'll take that all day um, there were some mismatches you know Ebony Williams is an athlete she's very solid uh, freshman of the year and the Bucks couldn't really find an answer for her at different points of the day but um, as a team you know if ETSU would have had Chennai Jackson Elise Stafford and Ty Kimbrough or even one or two of the three in that third overtime, I think the complexion would have been a lot different. I'm not saying the result may have been flipped, but I think the complexion would have been a lot different. Well, I think the the free throw uh, numbers were so uh, slanted, Chattanooga's way. As were the rebounding, 55 to 36, which are tw- 21 of 26. Pretty stout. I mean, you shoot 81% on the road. Uh, solid numbers there. I mean, ETSU 9 for 14 is a little under what they do. Of course, again, they didn't have quite as many opportunities. Uh, but the 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 rebound I don't even see the rebounding, <laughs> but uh, free throw. That's what I was going to say because you know the shooting numbers overall for each team. You know each issue forty five percent from the floor, over thirty percent from three, uh, nine of fourteen from the line. Still not bad. Uh, held chat to forty one percent shooting, twenty five percent from three. But then you just look at the twenty one to twenty six. That's that's a, that's a lot to overcome. Um, and considering even the huge rebounding margin, they really didn't get hammered on second chance points I thought that would be something else that would stick out I mean there were plus six but I thought that would be a situation where you know that could be 18 or 20 uh, to the good and then ETSU did do what they're very good at forced 19 turnovers and 24 points off turnovers so uh, the free throw shooting rebounding clearly some issues but still I thought this was a, an outing that ETSU probably deserved to win Unfortunately, uh, my deserving award doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, got to bounce back on Thursday with that Western Carolina team that, remember, last year came into Brooks Gym and gave ETSU a real scare. Now, they just broke their 20-plus game Southern Conference losing streak, but they took ETSU to overtime after, in regulation, Jewel Smalls, who's still with the Catamounts, the freshman of the year in, by the media, while Ebony Williams, who we just talked about, freshman of the year by the coaches. Uh, Smalls hit a fading out-of-bounds three from, like, 35 feet as time expired. They went back, reversed that she got the shot off in time, and so then ETSU made the most of their second chance and won it in overtime. But needless to say, especially looking at that result, you cannot take the Catamounts lightly coming into Thursday, and we'll talk about that Wednesday. All right, we'll talk about that and more Wednesday. Coming up next. Jay knows the English oh, language. Geez. Yes. Right after this timeout on San Jose Sidekick Buccaneers Sports Network. 
Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He texted me at 2 in the morning. Please, the number 4, Ivory? And he never brought it up again. So middle of the day on a Wednesday, he sent me munch, no, no, from, from, no. Ain't no punctuation ever. He's got to have letters missing from his keyboard. I'm still trying to figure that one out, bro. The back end of two basketball games and a football game in the same weekend. It was a 6 a.m. email that said, Shoe runs my world, curls. Which either meant, who runs the world, girls, that Beyonce song, or was just a terrible shoe joke. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pumped. Yeah. All right. Pretty pumped? No. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not pumped at all? You're going to have to turn me down. I'm way too loud. Okay, go ahead. There you go. Better, 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 better. Yep, Beautiful. Yep, yep, yep. I'm very excited for J.W.'s yep. English language. This is a once in every, what, maybe uh, three-month occurrence when the show is happening. This is only the fourth time we've ever done J.W.'s the English language. And this is a credit to you because it does take some time. You're on air a lot. It does take some time to build up this catalog of fantasticness. That is your verbal disgustingness. And I'm self-aware that I'm not very good at English language. You are very self-aware. I'll give you that. And so being self-aware as you are, you can take some of the good-natured ribbing. Uh, some of these are more outrageous than others, are more confusing than others, are more head-scratching than others. Um, and I'm sure not taken out of context at all, right? Not, none of these are... Well, you tell me if you understand this context. Let's see if I can... Uh, Make you scratch your head a little bit, too. Tisdale, clean look. Took a long time to stare at it. And then a foul. And Alex Reed is out of the game with 9.59 to go. Short-lived effort. And Ed Davis, the third, is it? Alex Reed. What's out of context about that? I mean, what is going on? What happened in those 10 seconds? There was was some editing going on there. No, there is absolutely no editing. I promise you none of this is edited. This is all just one specific cut of audio. I do not edit that together. I'm just going to go ahead and give you the last 10 seconds of that again. Short-lived effort. And Ed Davis, the third, is it? Alex Reed. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no more. You, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to session? talk because that was it. I knew you were waiting for what more. So was, was I. That? I don't know. Alex Reed, who does he play for? I don't know. Clearly you don't know a lot of things in that know. one. All right, let's move on. The father of the great Baba Abamola from Nigeria, his brother and sister, God did not create to die and poor, to sit down and die in poverty. There's no side effects, human sacrifice, afraid, anything. Did there. you become possessed or something for like those 10 seconds? What's going on? So the coaches show, we actually got spammed live during our coaches show, <laughs> wanting Coach and me to donate to the Prince because uh, 
you know, he's stuck and needs a bank account to get his uh, assets unfrozen. And uh, it was funny because we're sitting there reading questions on air. And then the very next one that popped up was this Prince one that uh, was clearly a Nigerian scam. And you just decide to read every question that comes in. You have no vetting process for leaving out, perhaps, spam. No, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was phenomenal. The weird defensive guy in the cylinder call of the body cylinder. What is a body cylinder? The body cylinder. So I know what the cylinder is in terms of the hoop. Right. So when you stand holding the basketball, uh-huh. there's an imaginary cylinder around you. Mm. And nobody can get inside your body cylinder. That's when a referee will do a weird two-hand motion going up and down that nobody knows what that is. That is the body cylinder call. I think that sounds made up. Congratulations. He's a Tennessee Education Hope Lauder Scholarly Hope. I don't think you're going to get any scholarship. I, I, your... Clearly, I, oh, you cut that early. You cut that education. early. Hope Lauder Scholarly. Uh, I hear Hope Lauder Scholarly. Yeah, and I, re- I corrected it, but you refused to play it. What do you mean refuse to play it? Refused. Congratulations. He's a Tennessee Education Hope Lauder Scholarly. Hope Lauder Scholarly. Hope. Hope Lauder Scholarly. Hope. Jay Sandos, without any academic scholarships in his time at ETSU. It'll be coaching versus literacy. I don't think coaches are against <laughs> literacy. I really don't think no, that that's that how was, it works. That was not good. No, I don't think that that's how it good. works. I know there's coaches versus cancer because they want to eliminate cancer. I don't think they're trying to eliminate literacy. No. But, I mean, okay. 4 25 run, run a one socket. They're going to run one socket off the clock. How do, you, how do you run a socket off the clock? Well, I thought that was like they were going to disassemble the, the shot clock for a second. They needed to. It's, uh, <laughs> they needed to disassemble a lot during that game. One socket. Mm-hmm. Dimitri Evich with 3.20 to go in a game. Dimitri Evich. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's not right. I'll give you credit because that's a tough name, and you said it right, I think, probably 20 other times during the game. But you, then You're, you're going to get one wrong. Then, the more you say his name, the more you're going to get one Then wrong. there was the Dimitri Evich. Evich. <laughs> 13-yard pickup for Thrasher. He came in with all of 12 yards rushing. More than double that on this one. I will have an entire math section that kicks off with this one. I want people to listen again because this can be a bit confusing if you only hear it one time. 13-yard pickup for Thrasher. He came in with all of 12 yards rushing. More than double that on this one. You realize 13 is not more than double 12. I mean, 13 plus 12 25. So <laughs> yeah, well, yes, that, that, so that, that you do so, know. So he's, so he's doubled his output. I don't understand. But why the way you worded it. it. With all of 12 we don't, we don't yards like rushing. Getting away. <laughs> More than double that on this More one. than doubling his 12 yards with 13 yards. Well done. Matt. Five minutes to go. Bucks down 16. 60 to 50. So the Bucks are down 16, and it's 60 to 50. And then just one minute later from the same game. 69-52, ETSU with a lead. Incredible. They've turned a 16-point deficit to a 17-point lead when they were actually down 10, and one minute later, they're up 17. So it's 66-50. No, it was was actually. Five minutes to go. Bucks down 16. 60 to 50. It was 60 to 50, but it was a 16-point deficit, apparently. Was it 60 to 50 at that point? I don't know. Have you looked at it? You tell me. I think it was a 16-point deficit. I'm not looking it up. I'm just going by your words. I think it was a 16-point deficit. That's the beauty of radio. You're supposed to provide. It was a 16-point deficit. 69-52, 69-52, ETSU with a lead. And then they're ahead by 17 a minute later? That's how we do. Okay. That's how we roll. 7.45 to go in a game. ETSU up three touchdowns. I'll put it in LSU language. They're down three touchdowns, 
to 41. 7.45 to go to the game. We're back after this Ben Wagner on the Buccaneer Sports Network. 64 what? Which they're down three touchdowns, 64 to 41. 23 points. That's three touchdowns. Plus two, two point conversions. You pass with those in? Oh, you pass with those. Okay. Is that four games in football? Is that what it, it is? It is. It's four games. So, yeah, so how much? So, uh, I mean, if you played this year, was twelve games as a quarter of the season. So twenty-five percent. Yeah. You still don't see anything wrong with that, do you? Let me let me go ahead and play it again. Four games in football. Is that what it, it is? It is. It's four games. So, yeah, so how much? Uh, I mean, if you played this year, was twelve games as a quarter of the season. So twenty-five percent. Yeah. I love that you and Coach Forbes are so convinced that four is twenty-five percent of twelve. Understand what you're talking about. So this is talking about the red shirt rule yeah. in basketball that they that Coach Forbes got in favor of and has brought up before mm-hmm. and such. And then mm-hmm. you're relating it back to football, which is a 12 game season. If but it's a 12 it, game season, which it was. But if you play it, I'm just agreeing with him because he's a he's a head coach. Uh, is that four games in football? Is that what it, it is? It is. It's four games. So, yeah, so how much? Uh, I mean, if you played this year, was 12 games as a quarter of the season. So 25 percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just agreeing with him. So. Also, though, four is the threshold, right? And it's 33 percent of 12. Could be. You're not going to give. It, 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 it's actually higher than that when it, when you don't get the 12th game. Well, yeah. yeah. But there was a 12 game season, and four. Okay. They've got a player on their team named Fletcher, a G. I think that's it. A, is a B or something. It's a B. It's amazing, and he shoots them all. Not muggy. It's a B. A B. He's a freshman. They're not related. I looked at it. I did no. a double take myself. Now I don't want to have to explain the way that relations work. Uh, but you're not related from first name. Usually it's last name. So both of them being named Fletcher and having a different last name, probably not going to be related. No, there's plenty plenty of athletes have different last names. Yeah. That's true. Different yeah. athletes do have different last names. But because yeah. they have first names, does not make them related. Yeah, but even even different last names, they can be related. <laughs> that's true. They had a, t- a time capsule for the 150-year Johnson. Yeah, the sesquicentennial. Yeah, they, however you they, say that. Ooh, does my, get that right? Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskatchewan-Saskat
Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSMAM 640, The Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. All right, we're back for the Sasquatennial recap. Sasquatennial edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. Bold predictions, and I was down three entering the weekend, meaning it was a very important weekend for me to make up ground because we yeah, have – Let's let me count them up. Today is what, the 10th? So, no, it's the 3rd. Wow, I'm, I'm a weekend. So we've got the 10th where we recap 17th, 24th, 1st. Eighth, is that five? Ten, seventeen, twenty-four, first. Yeah. So t- five more chances to be able to make up the ground that I need to in bold predictions, and unfortunately was unable to make up any in this weekend's bold predictions. All Super Bowl related. I came very close on my first Chiefs by two or more touchdowns, and they just waited. Game went almost exactly how I thought. Said thirty-four twenty would be the score. They waited just a bit too long to turn on the afterburners. We knew that they were slow starters, but really they were slow for about 50 of the 60 minutes. It wasn't so much a slow start. It was just a very lackluster effort for three and a third quarters, and then they turn it on down 11 with like seven minutes to play, and they get 21 points over the final. I think the official number is like 617, 619, something like that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I got a text from one of my buddies that said, this is where, when your team isn't at your best, when your offense isn't in rhythm, and you're really not firing on all cylinders, this is where you can have your Brady moment, your Manning moment. Uh, you name all the great quarterbacks that have been able to get it done when odds have been stacked against them. And Brady's the ultimate example, right, who I'm sure you're back on the bandwagon with now that the Chiefs season is over. Uh, your Chiefs, quote-unquote, with the Super Bowl. But Brady's the ultimate example. He's won plenty of Super Bowls when he's had not a lot around him. When guys are playing both ways, Troy Brown you know, playing cornerback and wide receiver, and when he's flat out not had the best version of the teams that he's been on or the best versions of the Patriots during this millennium, he's still been able to win Super Bowls, and Patrick Mahomes certainly seemed like he had that yesterday in those final seven minutes. Yeah, he he, he had a different level. Uh, and it was two quarterbacks, and the question was which one was going to hit that level. You know, and seemed like that Mahomes was a bit of the – Brady when throwing a lot of touchdowns, Manning era where Jimmy was more of the first Tom Super Bowl where it's like, hey, we just need you to hand it off here, make the smart throws, don't turn it over, which he did, but don't turn it over. This is what we, you know, we need you to 
manage, and then when it gets late, go win the game. And for uh, Brady, it was when finally Kurt Warner and St. Louis Rams woke up, got two fourth-quarter touchdowns, less than two minutes to go in a game. Coach uh, Belichick and Charlie Weiss tell Brady, sit on it. Drew Bledsoe turns around where the coaches can't see him, says, bump that, and not so many words, different words, if you will, and uh, go win the game. And then next thing you know, Brady audibles, throws a pass. Everyone's looking crazy, but it was a 15-yard pickup, and then the motion was going, and then they went. So it was a moment for Jimmy G, and I don't think the difference was they were tied in New England go to overtime, uh, which is – and they didn't want to go three and out and try to give the Rams the ball, where Jimmy G, they're down four. He's got 233 to go. He can easily go down the field with three timeouts plus the two-minute warning go win the game and it went two runs right off the bat and i thought that was smart you know they picked up uh big uh, some big gainers went from like the 15 to the 41 give or take something like that and then a fourth and 10 and honestly jimmy overshot emmanuel sanders on the third and 10 i mean i thought for a second um he had threw that right on the money sanders was going to be able to to catch it and score a touchdown and then here we go now kind of back in your court Mr. Mahomes, but uh, it was it was a good game, you know, for a lot of Super Bowls. Sometimes they're not, but I thought uh, for majority of the contest, uh, it was a good game. I think you know, Kansas was able to tack one on there late, and almost tacked another one on there late for you. But uh, mm. either way, uh, nice. it was a it was a nice nice win. I was hoping and praying for that last second, just throw it up if you're Patrick Mahomes to waste the clock and whoever the receiver was had beaten his defender downfield and if that would have been instead of being out of bounds by three or four yards which was the smart thing to do obviously you have to throw it out of bounds just throw it a mile in the air there were what like five seconds left time's going to expire but if he would have for whatever reason thrown it about five or ten yards to the left he had a receiver wide open and you catch that streak into the end zone all of a sudden it's 18 and my bold prediction would have been correct both of us would be brilliant if we would have said that Kyle Shanahan would once again blow a seemingly insurmountable lead in a Super Bowl as he did as offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons when your New England Patriots came back from 28-3 to three down. It is impressive. That's brutal, yeah, isn't it? It's, oh, hard, it's hard, hard. You know, it's funny. It was a battle of which guy doesn't want to win a big game, right? Was it Andy Reid? And early on the first <laughs> half, people were like, man, Andy, look at him coaching Andy again. Andy. Just Andy being Andy, not not taking chances and not doing anything and just playing conservative. And the Kyle Shanahan sit on it at halftime was the only thing that really had me the whole game not screaming at the TV but sitting there just thinking, what are you doing? Okay, you know Kansas City can score. You can still dictate if they get the ball back or not. You can score and get the ball back to start the second half and try to double them up real quick. Now, they ended up scoring 10 in the – third quarter or whatever it was to to go up but still like they had an opportunity to score at the end of the first half and didn't take it and, and, and they got one play and then they decided they were going to take it but then they had a penalty and they ended up taking a knee I, I thought that was very curious. well it was a very interesting turning point in the game so you had about a minute on the clock take over your own 20 and I think you can look back to a number of points in the game to say well this could have gone differently this could have gone differently but this sequence was pretty telling. You have the two runs by Mostert, and then the timeout by Kansas City trying to maybe get the ball back, and then they'll burn another, and they would have had one more, and you got Patrick Mahomes. You never know, right? So you understand why Andy Reid wanted to do that. But then you get the 20-yard completion from Garoppolo to Wilson, and the ball's the 45, and there's 
you know, 14 seconds left, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, boy, this could backfire, and San Francisco could get points. And then you have the deep pass to Kittle, and you'll have the debate forever, I think, if you're especially a 49ers or a Chiefs fan about is that pass interference, uh, the arms extended. You can see, like, maybe the fingers push onto the shoulder pad, and he maybe slows down a little bit the defender, and Kittle's called for offensive pass interference. Though I did see, and this is near and dear to my heart, obviously, uh, the lack of pass interference call on Kyle Rudolph in the end zone for the Vikings against the Saints, where the defender basically just jolts backwards when Rudolph extends the arm. No pass interference there, but they do call pass interference on George Kittle, and so that'll be a centuries-old debate, and then once they got the offense pass interference call, it just took a knee because there are only like seven or eight seconds left. But um, that's one I can really see either way, the, the pass interference. Um, Game-changer, though, because then – you're staring down the barrel of maybe having another play at like the 13-yard line to try and get the end zone and certainly guaranteeing yourself uh, three points to take the lead in the halftime. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'd just go back to Michael Irvin, fully extend, they're generally going to call it. So, Although they didn't end Kyle Rudolph only a couple <laughs> weeks earlier. But anyway, uh, so you said the Chiefs would have 75 or more yards uh, on a touchdown. That did not happen. They did have the 38-yard Damian Williams run to ice the game, make it 31-20 to late on, uh, but that was about half of what you needed. I didn't play this for me, but of course I'm going to play it for you. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. But then you're brilliant. Much to my dismay, demise, frustration, anger, every verbiage you have in the book, the Orange Gatorade. Oh. Orange Gatorade. I could not believe it. I'm sitting here saying, okay, Donald Trump is... On the verge of going under 13 and a half tweets, which was the other uh, bold prediction. You said it would be over that. I said it would be under. It was under. It was 10. Uh, so I get that. But you get the orange Gatorade. I said it would be red Gatorade for the first time ever. You took more of the odds because it has been orange at least four or five times over the last 17 or 18 years. I can't remember the exact number. But it had never been red. I went for the major upset. Went bold. But you went with orange, and orange was correct, despite purple making a hard charge as the odds-on favorite. Uh, Also, some other uh, fun, exotic props that we uh, mentioned. We agreed that George Kittle would get more receiving yards than Xander Shoffley strokes. Turns out Kittle, if we would have... Not even close. That one play we talked about, though. That was a 42-yard gain. 42-yard gain. You add that to the 36 he had, that would have been 78 yards. Shoffley shot a 74. Mm. So it would have been real tight. Instead, Kittle 36 yards. Shoffley in the final round. I think he finished 16th, but he uh, shot a 74. That's what made him slide down the leaderboard. Uh, So that didn't matter. I did not see Andy Reid in a Hawaiian shirt or eating a cheeseburger on TV, though he did reference in the postgame that he was going to eat the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. Maybe even a double. Well, and that was my question. If I'm Andy Reid... I certainly hope he's not stuck in this world where he thinks burgers only come in singles and that doing a double is all of a sudden this massive step up and that's as big as they get. Because, Andy, there's triples, quadruples. You can throw five patties on there. If you've been living in this world where you have only had one or two patties, you have not been living your best life. And I feel bad because the man does love his cheeseburgers, as we find out pretty much in every postgame soundbite. I thought it was interesting when somebody actually took a picture of Andy Reid and asked if he was the diabetes guy. <laughs> Wilford Brimley. <laughs> and Wilford Brimley actually uh, tweeted, Adam, no, I am. Whoever asked, it was the national media, took a picture and says, he's a diabetes guy. Brimley does bear a shocking resemblance yeah. to Andy Reid. And he's also pretty good on Twitter. I-, I didn't picture Brimley having a Twitter, but Wilford does okay. He really does. One of the more entertaining accounts to follow. No, he, he played it up. People asked. He answered. He said, no, I'm, I'm the diabetes guy. <laughs> All 
All right, I know it's signing day Wednesday, but we're only going to talk Wednesday hoops. We'll talk men's basketball, women's basketball. We'll take a look at the mid-major top 25, and then uh, probably the only three segments we do for that one. Oh, I'm sorry, and Jay's hate list. We'll do that as well. We'll, we'll bump the mid-major top 25 for Jay's hate list. All right, we do that. And then Thursday, we will talk signing day. All that more this week. Santa Sidekick, Buccaneer Sports Network. See ya.